0: Gospel of Mark and chapter two. Mark chapter two. We saw so the introduction of the Savior and it um, is a revelation of him as the person, this individual that came, introduced by John the Baptist. to being our healer. We already saw people delivered from demonic oppression, delivered from disease. We saw the Lord preaching a doctrine with power, with authority, and people recognized that. And before that, it was written that He had to pass through tests, testing, for 40 days in the wilderness even after it was revealed by the father that this was his son in whom he was well pleased and he called certain disciples and he told them if you follow me I will make you fishers of men people who will save souls through Jesus and we saw the immediate following and the commitment that these people had. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, two sets of brothers. In chapter 2. see more of the Lord's actions and more of his demonstration of love, forgiveness, power. And his purpose becomes more clear as we read Mark chapter 2. Let's read Mark chapter 2. Someone can read it. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 28. In the New King James Version and then we'll hear it in the New Living Translation. But two people can read. Let's listen to Mark chapter 2 as we follow along reading. Someone please read in the New King James Version and then someone else in the New Living Translation, if you have a clear connection, you can read loud and slow voice. Praise God.
1: Praise God. Uh, Mark chapter 2, NKJV version. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemes like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wines must be put into new wineskins. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the hedge of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Praise God.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now we will hear this again in the new uh, in the New Living Translation, but this time we will break it up. Someone can read one through twelve, and then someone else thirteen through twenty-eight in the New Living Translation, and let's hear the Word of God again. Every time we hear it. We should be looking for something new that God can give us in the very text, and we'll look at the verses together. Praise God. Mark
2: chapter two, NLT version, verses one to twelve. When Jesus returned to Capernaum. Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, "We have never seen anything like this before." Praise. God.
0: Praise God. Someone else can read from verse thirteen to the rest of the chapter.
3: Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick and did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. (sighs) But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. And no one sews a piece of unshrugged cloth cloth on an old garment. Or else the new piece pulls away from the old. And the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him? How so he went into the house of God in the days of Abhar, the high priest. And ate the shoe bread, the, the show bread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests. And also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, "The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath."
0: Praise the Lord. Look at Mark chapter 2. We see that the people who were supposed to represent God, these teachers of the law, the religious system, had become devoid of God's presence, God's guiding, guidance, and God's leading. And these people who are supposed to lead the rest of the people were obviously out of touch with God. And we see that very clearly throughout chapter 2 of Mark. One of the things we can see right away is that we can learn about Jesus we can even read the scriptures and totally miss the meaning of what the Lord is conveying and what He wants us to do. We we could end up with a, a religious kind of approach to life with Christianity and not have the real life. And yet, the people who He called to follow Him, and here we see also a tax collector, in addition to the four fishermen he called in chapter 1, these people, they evidently had a greater insight as they kept walking with Jesus. And the key to reading the Holy Scriptures and understanding the Bible and to applying this Word of God is to actually... Walk with God, which means we have these sincere motives, that we really humble ourselves to be open to learn what the Holy Spirit wants to convey, and that we understand that we ought to receive God's love knowing that that's His primary motivation in speaking to us, reaching out to us, reaching out to humanity, and reaching out to individuals, and that we ought to love God back, by being sincere and humble and also know that God is a person and that we need to connect with Him not just intellectually but with the total person with our emotions but even deeper than that with our entire spirit as Paul would say later in his epistles he'd say whom I serve with my spirit God, Jesus Christ whom I serve with my spirit the entire person is devoted to fearing this Jesus loving him, following him fearing in the sense of being in awe of the Lord Jesus and these disciples that he called they were following him in awe because they saw the demonstration of his nature, his character They began to trust Him. As we often said, these four pillars, being sincere, humble, having love. But also, being holy. And these disciples, they left the rugged, worldly path of living for themselves and their families to living for God. And they were being sanctified even through the word that God was speaking. That's the effect of God's word when we approach it in the right way. It has to change us. If it doesn't change us, that means that we are actually blocking the voice of God from working in our hearts. By being insincere, by being proud, by being unloving and by being unholy or unclean these things would block God's truth from doing the work that is intended to do in our hearts but he came against the religious people who were missing the connection with God and we see that in several instances here in the beginning of the chapter we see the diligence that people showed knowing that this is a man who's doing miracles, this is a man who has power over demons, and they've heard of this at least, he's curing diseases, and he's speaking with such authority that they've never seen before. And they have needs, just as we have needs. more often than not a person is in some kind of trouble a family is in some kind of trouble until jesus the one who can solve all problems is sought after we begin to respect him and understand him we begin to know that this is not just a teaching it's not just a religion but it's actually God it's the living God these people had a need their friend this person that they knew was a paralytic and here he is in his city Capernaum his headquarters and these people heard many people heard that he's there in the house They went to see, because they had need. There are people who were fed in their souls, but usually it was an attraction to the miracles that Jesus can do. What God can do miracles like Jesus? We have the living God, and then we have the evil spirit, the devil, Satan, who's the accuser, he's the slanderer. He's the liar. He's the deceiver. And he will come through various ways to bait people into witchcraft and voodoo, false religion, pseudo-Christianity, P-S-E-U-D-O, pseudo, as we know, means false. It's actually a counterfeit Christianity where they'll have the rituals and everything but no connection with God because they're missing four pillars that genuine faith will connect with God the reason is because that's God's heart he never reveals himself so people can just know about him and even if he's with them in a parallel kind of way where they're going on with their lives and he's there but the God we know from the Bible Jesus as we saw him touch the leper the other day from The first chapter is very personal and he loves us. He knows what we need. He's ready to help us. We need to cry out to him. These people demonstrated their cries by bringing their friend, who couldn't bring himself, these four people. They heard the word, but they brought him. Because someone told them, obviously. That's how everyone comes to Jesus. Someone, whether man or angel, some revelation has come. And it touches the heart and the conscience. There's some kind of bell that rings internally. Where a person knows this is something very different than Religion. This God cares enough and is powerful enough to do miracles for me because he wants to counter and reverse the theft that has happened in my life. Satan, the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy life. The Lord came here to show. He's the author of life. And he's the giver and restorer of life. These people came and when they saw a tremendous crowd verse 4 Mark chapter 2 they couldn't get through so many people they just could not get through and that too bringing a paralytic man who was being carried by them. You'd think that people would make way when they saw someone come on a stretcher but often we've seen that people are not so caring as they may portray themselves to be. So when somebody tries to get to Jesus, people don't usually make a way for them, but they end up blocking them. We saw that with the disciples at one point when the parents were bringing the children. We need to be careful that we don't block anyone from coming to Jesus. We can do this passively as well as actively. We can do it actively by literally giving them misinformation or turning them away from church, where God has preached, the real church, the real body of Christ, all over the world where people are gathered together with sincerity, humility, genuine love and holiness and that's the demonic witchcraft spirit to so do everything it can to keep people from getting to Jesus really knowing them getting their deliverance getting their help that they need actively giving misinformation or thwarting them from coming to God that's a very demonic spirit it's actually demons that would do that, work through people, to keep them from coming to Jesus. We can also stand idly by and not care. And think that, well, I'm not blocking anyone, but I'm not necessarily giving them what I know to get them to Jesus. So, we have a responsibility And often the crowds can be the place where most of humanity can be found. The crowd mentality, which is a very selfish mentality. But they couldn't get through because of the crowd. What they did was they found a way to uncover the roof, it says. Think about the lens to which they went if we put ourselves in the shoes of one of these four men, if you know a friend that's in desperate need and you know that Jesus has the answer, He is the answer, would you go to such lengths if you come and say, well, I brought you all the way, I sacrificed my time, I sacrificed my money, I sacrificed my energy, I took devotion and time away from my own family, and look, I've done everything I could, how many people would say that easily? Well, I guess it isn't meant to be, because we've done everything we could, have have we done everything we could? That's the question. These people demonstrate that they consider themselves as having done everything they could when the connection was made between their friend who was in desperate need and the master. They knew that's when they did everything they could. When they were able to bring the man directly to the master and they did everything they could to make that happen. It's very important to note that we can convince ourselves, like most people, that I've done everything I could to bring my people to know about Jesus. I know there's something more to Jesus than meets the eye. I know. He has all power. He's the supreme God. There is no other God. Supreme in the sense of not being merely superior to other gods that are out there, But the truth is, there is no other God. Everything else is demonic. It's a counterfeit. And he's supreme in the sense that he's sovereign. He's the only ruler, the highest ruler, amidst the rulers of the darkness of this world, amidst demonic powers. He's higher. we saw that authority that Jesus had against the demon spirit that convulsed that man in the synagogue. And possessed him, and he had to tell that evil spirit to go. The man was restored. these people did not have a man who was possessed here, but they had a paralytic. The question for us as we read this is have we done everything we could? Have we really done everything we could? What kind of sacrifice have we made or sacrifices? how urgent is it? you see all of these elements here these people they would have had families doesn't indicate that they were his relatives But these four men came they couldn't come to Jesus because of the crowd but they found a way on the way, as is written, where there is a will, or people say that I should say, there's a way and that's certainly applicable when it comes to knowing God intimately for ourselves, really connecting with God, the hollowness of life, the emptiness, the vanity of life. This is why people go after different things and they get caught in pursuits, it may be outrightly sinful or more subtle. People not satisfied. There are housewives, and there are working men and women. There are all kinds of people. They have everything, but there's a dissatisfaction, and they start looking at the people across the fence. And adultery comes in to the scene. Because they're not satisfied. Even though they have been given everything, they begin to cast their eyes over where it should not go. They have no connection with God. And so they commit adultery. It's impossible. It's impossible to sin against God when we have a living vital connection with God. When we read the Word and the Word is doing the work that is intended to do in a human soul, because the person is coming like these four men they're coming carried on humility genuine humility saying I want to learn I need to know God I'm not going to come here with preconceived notions and begin to argue I'm open like a little child Lord teach me I'll humble myself I will come sincerely with not ulterior motives I want to know God for himself I'm coming here just for some temporary or temporal benefit. I want to know Him who created me in His image. He has a purpose for my life. I want to know what that is. I don't want to be in a state of living death where I'm just doing like the rest of the crowd in this world who's after themselves. I want to come like these four men were carrying this paralyzed man I'm coming knowing that I have a desperate need for Jesus I'm going to come with a heart to love him and to love what he has to say and what he has to do in my life I'm going to love him because I know he's love, I understand that I want to come leaving the state where I'm at in order for transformation I want to leave the unholy state there's an admission there without Jesus I cannot be clean I cannot be healed I can't be restored inasmuch as this man in need came with these four men carrying them we need these four pillars to carry us so the diligence the diligence. They uncovered the roof. They broke through and let the bed down on which this paralytic was lying. So they positioned, they calculated, so that the man was let down right in front of Jesus. As we have seen previously with the woman, with the issue of blood that was suffering so many years. There was a crowd there, but it was one woman, and she was able to obviously get to Jesus on her own. She was mobile, but she also had to press through, and she went with faith. This man was carried by these people who had faith and diligence. They certainly did everything they could. And we see how they went through an avenue that people would seldom take for various reasons. How many people would be very proper? I can't do it. How do you expect me to take this person to Jesus? Why? That would involve me damaging somebody's property. I, I'd be trespassing, and there's a law, you know, I can't do this. I, many, many reasons that the devil will bring up where people would feel justified and they would shut down and crush their own conscience. that says, "But there's more you could have done. There's more you can do. And what they'll do is talk to themselves and convince themselves, that I did everything I could and walk away and prevent somebody from getting to Jesus. As we mentioned, actively or passively. They could gather to themselves people of like-mindedness to console them and to confirm their newly found conviction that they did everything they could. Being selfish, lying to oneself, lying to God, lying to people, And going on our merry way. Well, it's time for me to have lunch, and I can't do all of this. I've, I've given them a tract, and I've anything more? No, no, no. That's about all you're going to get from me. And have we done everything we could? Now we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a certain order that God would lead us, but we see often that the order, quote unquote that we may have the rules that we would set up may become just like the Pharisees doing something religious and yes I'll give the gospel and it's sickening to see when a person's lack of genuine love really comes through their own speech which condemns them their own actions We need to really care to the point of doing everything we can to bring someone to Jesus especially when we perceive that need these people had faith and that's what Jesus highlights here. obviously that faith had works there was diligence, it was not just an empty faith well I know Jesus, I love Jesus and you can know him too that's about it But did God say go further bring them to Jesus when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. He knew well what he was saying and publicly he said it so everybody can hear. He just pronounced it. Now, he had all the power and he has all the power and he did cure many people prior to this. But here, there's a divine purpose specifically in this situation. And so he proclaims his authority by saying, I forgive you of your sins. Imagine if somebody says that today. If you go to a rabbi, Jewish leader, and he says, um, all your sins are forgiven. On what basis, what authority? He actually claims that he can do it. Such as the false messiahs they have, there's a certain rabbi in the 80s and 90s. I remember literature being passed out, I don't know, by the thousands in New York City, of a certain rabbi, I remember correctly Schneerson. And these ultra Orthodox Jews and Orthodox Jews and many of the people. Who are considered Jews? They passed out all these pamphlets saying that this, at that time, some I believe ninety-year-old man, frail, that he was the Messiah, Mashiach, not Jesus, but this man who was living there, who was so frail. The devil got into them, and they started passing out this literature. I remember it in the streets. And he died. Then they started ranting and raving, saying that, well, he's going to rise from the dead, never rose from the dead. I think it's strange for a frail man like that to claim to be God, and then he dies, the normal death There's nothing particularly significant, and he's gone, and now the people who are his adherents and supporters, these fanatics were saying that, well, he's the messiah. No, the Messiah came, That was Jesus Christ. But what if uh, a guru, what if an imam, what if of all these different leaders and different faiths, quote-unquote. Imagine if somebody says, imagine if a, a authority figure in your life, a teacher or a parent, says, not I forgive you for what you did to me, but I forgive you of all the sins you ever committed. Who can do that? No parent can do that. No one can. Because only God can forgive. And in that, these scribes, these religious teachers were correct. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But they were incorrect. And in that they thought that Jesus was just a man. And the curious thing is, how can you see and hear of, certainly they heard of it, if, if not have having seen the miracles first hand, that evil spirits that nobody could deliver a person from was delivered or were chased out of human beings through Jesus Christ. He had the authority. That only God could drive out the evil spirits like that. They had customs. They had practices. They had their so-called religious exorcists and witch doctors with a Jewish touch. they are all kinds of things. And as we say often, the devil can himself fake an exorcism. He can fake healing because he's a counterfeiter. His whole objective is if I can mimic what God can do and deceive people by doing the counterfeit not really healing, not really delivering, but just manipulating the situation, withdrawing his evil forces to bait people into believing that his religion and his way is actually miraculous when it's magic, when it is counterfeit. There's a real demonic power, but it doesn't bring life, it doesn't bring wholeness. It certainly cannot match the power of God. We saw that in the book of Exodus. Very clearly when Moses went to this Egyptian leader, Pharaoh, and he had his magicians when Moses threw his staff on the ground. And God said, take it by the tail, it became a serpent. Initially when God showed that miracle to him privately, through his own rod turning into a serpent, Aaron was called and he demonstrated that miracle and he was a spokesman for Moses these magicians said watch this we can throw staffs down we can do things we can duplicate certain things and they had serpents all over so he had a palace full of serpents over there Moses with his rod becoming a serpent and all these magicians but we saw the superiority of God and how Moses' rod swallowed up. Moses' rod took over Swallowed up, swallowed up all those rots all the serpents. So the devil tried to bait people to believe in everything and anything but the living God. To say that your sins are forgiven you—something that only God could do. But he demonstrated his power already. And here, he's going to do it very directly in connection with forgiveness. To show that when we come to Jesus, he can take care of all our troubles. And the big point is, his motivation for doing these things is because he loves us. And he wants us to get the cure and the answer and the solution for the biggest problem we have. There are people who come to Jesus. My problem is my child. My child needs healing. My problem is my child is wayward. My child doesn't listen to authority. It's in a dangerous situation. Other people, my spouse is like this. I wish I can get my marriage back. Another person, my finances are just really, really... difficult to handle I don't have enough I'm desperate for a job and desperate for this people come to Jesus with all kinds of needs and we see the biggest need we have is to have eternal life because even if those things are corrected if we miss connecting with the Lord as the Lord of our lives personally we'll end up in hell we will be in darkness forever, in tremendous torment and pain, forever, once we die. God sees the biggest need is for eternal life. And so he comes and demonstrates his power, his love, but he's looking to forgive us because that's the biggest problem, that we have sins, that we need his forgiveness. Because Without the forgiveness of sins, no one will enter heaven. And without the shedding of blood, no one can have their sins put away, according to the Scriptures. And so we come to believe that this man now, they were discovering this at that time, but we have it all. We have it all revealed. And for two millennia, 2,000 years or so, people have understood that this miracle worker was actually the Messiah is God in the flesh and he died on the cross to solve humanity's biggest problem which is the sins in the heart. Who can forgive that? It has to be God. And Jesus says here, your sins are forgiven you. And it just sent the scribes into a frenzy. He said, this is blasphemy. This is something against God. This man He's doing miracles, but now he's really done the ultimate thing. He's claiming to be God because only God can forgive sins. And we see in other Gospels that when they perceived these things, they took stones to kill him. Of course, they couldn't do anything because he came to die on the cross to take our sins away. But this hostility arose. They were blinded. They saw the authority that he has over the devil, evil spirits. They saw the authority he has over disease. They've seen the laws of nature suspended or reversed. That he's doing things so supreme and sovereign. They should have said his speech also is pure. We see nothing but love and the only time he gets angry is when somebody is insincere. Insincere. Maybe we need to repent. Nicodemus was convicted. One of these rulers in Israel, in John chapter 3, he, he saw it in the right way, just as we must. Jesus convicts me. When I read about Jesus, when I hear about Jesus, something's happening on the inside of me. Now I can shut it down and pervert that and say, well, I don't believe any of this. I don't want this. And I can say, something that is touching my soul, and I'm going to open my heart to Jesus. The man came, and the obvious need that everybody can see is that miracle worker meets miracle needer. Man who can do miracles and heal diseases. is faced with a man who has a disease, has a disability. That's what they came for. But the Lord does something different. He speaks. He says, your sins, paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven you. When they took issue with this, the people, the religious leaders, Jesus perceived this in his spirit. Their secret thoughts. And so God can scan us instantly. Of course, he's God. Jesus can scan us instantly because he's God. And he saw their hearts and he said, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Why are you talking in your own heart and talking amongst yourselves? Saying that I'm committing blasphemy? Because I'm telling this person, your sins are forgiven. Let me ask a question. You can see the suspense there. He's turning, not to the paralytic man, not to the crowd, but he's turning directly and confronting the demons that are working through these very scholarly, dignified, quote-unquote, well-respected in society, but the demons were speaking and working in those people, these religious people. He went and clashed directly against that system of falsehood. And he asked them, which is easier for me to say to this paralyzed man, paralytic, is it easier for me to say, paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, get up. Take up your bed and walk. A man who had to be carried in. He could not walk. He could not move. He could not do this. The Lord said, you heard me say to him, your sins are forgiven you, which is easier. And he answered his question in front of them. The answer is obvious when you confront a situation that only God can solve. And a person who is reported to have had this kind of power to cure people's diseases, for him to say your sins are forgiven you, of course it's easier to say that because it's something that they really can't, prove so it's easy to say that just like someone could say I love you how do you see love how can you perceive love someone who says I have faith how do you, how do you know that faith is there one man will say that my faith is active The other man will say, but you can see my faith. You claim to have faith, but there's no evidence. But you can see my faith because I have works to go along with it. That is, I'm demonstrating that I believe in God because I'm doing something. I am changing my ways. I'm handing my life over to Him. I'm demonstrating genuine faith. When God says for me to do something, and I know He's speaking to me, I don't shut that voice down to my own destruction. I move toward Jesus and I said, Lord, show me more. I want to follow you. There's obedience involved. When someone says I love you, how do you know someone loves you? Not something you can sense as with a radar or some kind of detector. And you can hook them up to a lie detector, a fail safe apparatus that every time my husband says he loves me, a wife may say, or a husband may say of the wife, you know, she said, I love you, but honey, would you put your finger in this thing, and I put this device and hook you up to it, because I want to see if your love is real, you may see a, a, a light bulb glow, make a little sound along with it to indicate, you know what, when you said you love me this morning, the test proves it's real, so I'm happy. Have a blessed day and I'll see you later. It's demonstrated by the deed. In this case, when the Lord said, I forgive you, he demonstrated that he had the ability to actually take the sins away of this man before God because the ultimate insult and rebellion No matter what a person does to another human being, the ultimate sin is, as David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned, O God. Yes, damage will happen to people when we sin against them, when we hurt them. But the first one we hurt always, and the person that we hurt the most, is the very person who made us, the very person who gave his life for us, to be rebellious against him is the first order of business to take care of. That rebellion is what Jesus was taking care of. This man is paralyzed. How can he be a rebel? He can't even do anything. Because sin is originating in the heart. And that's the invisible part. Nobody can see except God. And that's the forgiveness that God can give, that nobody can see it actually working. At least not there immediately. And yet we see in the woman that came with weeping into that house. And she demonstrated her love. And the Lord said, see what she's doing? She's coming here and weeping and publicly without any shame or fear. Showing how much she loves me. And she anointed him, preparing him for the burial. We see that in the Gospels. The Lord demonstrated his authority and his power. After questioning them, the obvious answer was, it's easier for anybody to say, I forgive you. Uh, some guru coming with a long robe, walking around, saying nice things and giving different moral laws for society and citizenship values and how to respect your elders. And Oh, it's a wonderful teacher. Look at that guru. He's, he's just holy. He's just teaching so many good things. And he goes around saying I forgive you and you and you as they used to do still do in certain places of the Catholic Church. These men who represent that system that is false. And I say when the coin, your coin, your money on the offering plate that I bring to your house when the coin rings The soul of your loved one from Purgatory Springs. Having this idea of this middle state between heaven and hell after life. That a person is there in the waiting room and these false preachers, these false priests, coming and saying, if you pay enough money, I can actually... Unlock the door of your loved one. You can't see them, but I can see them. I have some kind of key and access. Where the more money you put into my plate, the more I can guarantee your loved one who died already, it's too late for you to do anything, but not for us. And they say, well, they'll be able to graduate from purgatory. It's invisible things. Anybody can say anything about I can talk to God for you and I can forgive you on behalf of God. Now, Jesus did say to the disciples, these apostles, that because he was present with them, he is working through them by the Holy Spirit, that for people to receive the peace that they bring into their homes because they're walking with the living God, God's hand will be upon them and when they forgive people as his apostles that God would actually endorse that forgiveness. He'd make that good because they were not doing it on their own accord. Neither were they turning people to themselves. They are pointing to Jesus Christ. That's very different from somebody saying, I have the authority to forgive you and look to me and me only. This is what Jesus was doing. He didn't say, I'll speak to God for you. I'm here to turn you to God and therefore um, I'll speak for God this moment but you really have to get it from Him I'm just saying these words no He said Son your sins are forgiven you and He showed that He has the genuine power on earth to forgive sins He said but that you may know that I have the power to change your heart your life every one of you said to the paralytic, I'm telling you, get up. Take your bed and go to your house. Now, that was putting everything on the line. To say that, everybody expected, perhaps except the man who's paralyzed and his four friends. At that moment, especially with the showdown, between these religious leaders, Jesus was not a religious leader like they were. They were well-known. They had an official position. He was a miracle worker, but there's something going on here. God is showing when people have religion or religious leaders, if they don't have a connection with God, they will actually prevent you from getting to God. That's the way the devil works. Many people will throw money. Many people will follow. Many people will swear allegiance because their hearts are darkened The blind leading the blind into the ditch. How can a blind man lead another blind man? Won't they both fall into the ditch, the pit? Neither of them can see. That's what the Lord said. But when the living God comes, when the real God comes, when Jesus comes, he opens the eyes to see the actual way. He gives the sight. They're able to perceive that God is speaking to me. God is leading me out of my mess. God is showing me as I come to him for the solution to my problems, the pressing problems, the impossible things. He shows me that he can do something even more impossible. The greatest thing, the thing that actually required more authority, more power, more of a, signally divine quality of an exercise of power was to remove sins from a heart that no one else can see but God and to have the power to take it away to get to that level of a human being's soul, the heart and then to have the power not only to see but to remove that filth Remove that sin, those sins. And people are watching, and it says immediately, the man who was paralyzed was brought in on a stretcher, effectively, born by four men. The moment Jesus said, but I'm telling you all, you need to know that I have, me, I have the power on earth to forgive sins. Even here, he didn't say, God has sent me to do this. He said, I have the power. I'm going to demonstrate that the invisible thing that you think anybody can say and get away with, because nobody can prove whether the sins were forgiven or not. People can be hucksters and they can come and deceive people. But Jesus demonstrates his power that he can solve the problem. The sin problem by solving the disease problem which they could see very obviously now if this failed when he said watch this get up and walk to the paralyzed man everything would have been lost he could have been stoned actually he put everything on the line because he is God the demonstration of the power came through the man got healed and he got forgiven because that's what the Lord said first When God says, I forgive you, when Jesus says, I forgive you, when we have that conviction and assurance from God's spirit that the Lord has forgiven me, what a lifting of the burden from a human heart. We know at that point, God has done something in me. Hallelujah. God did it. No one can do it but God. No one could take away my burden but the living God He's come to me. They were all amazed because the man walked out in the presence of everybody. Everybody saw this. The friends saw it with great joy, amazement. The crowd saw. They were cheering Jesus on when they saw this miracle, as they often did. But the religious leaders, they were stunned, but they were gnashing their teeth. Usually, that's what happened. Unless it was a man like Nicodemus, a man like Joseph of Arimathea, these men who were actually part of the burial of Jesus later when he died and before he rose from the dead. But these men had a connection with Jesus because they pressed in. They couldn't stop their conscience and tell the conscience to shut up. Say, well, I'll think about another day. No, they... Open their heart. The more they opened their heart to Jesus, the more he came closer. And they began to believe in him. Their lives were changed. We need to press in. We need to press in for everything that we need from Jesus. We have a job to do. We heard yesterday in the sermon, we've been hearing the messages all along, that there's a part that God does that God alone can do, but then there's a part that we must do that God will not do for us. We have to show up when God shows up. We can choose to run away from God. We can think that, well, I have another day. That day is not guaranteed. Many people die and go to hell before that. There are people who say, I'll get to Jesus later. I'll get to the healing later. I'll get to this dynamic, spirit-filled presence in this assembly later. That later may never come. As they say, mañana never comes in Spanish. Tomorrow never comes. We need to take care of it now. We need to surrender to Jesus now. How long will it be before you surrender to the Lord? That's the question God puts to every one of us now. For the person who hasn't said, I bow my knee, my heart, my life, my everything, there is nothing, there's no one But you, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Save me, Jesus, from my sins. I thought I was a good person. But the more I come near you, Lord, the more I see how ugly and black and dirty I am in the heart. Like a muddy clothing fallen into the sewer. Even worse than that, Lord. You show me my heart. Everybody can think I'm decent. I'm I'm a person who's uh, thinking straight and I'm... uh, Good homemaker or provider. I'm a decent citizen. I'm, I pay my taxes. I watch the law, the speed limit. I do all these things and I feel pretty good about myself. And on top of that, I have a degree. I have degrees. I have many degrees. I'm hot in my own eyes. I'm making it. It's not having already made it in this life. God says, not only are you zero before God without the forgiveness of sins, but you're actually dirty and filthy, because he's holy, and you're not. We realize that, but what do we do about it? Do we put it off? Do we say, I uh, need to think about it a little more? You may die before you get to think about it. There's some people who know the way, but they'll say, I'll wait for a better time, or As I said before, there are people in their lives who are actively or passively being used by the devil to prevent them from coming to the solution. We need to identify what's happening in our lives. We have a part to play. We have a role to play in our own deliverance. As we heard yesterday, as the Spirit of God is speaking to Esther, what you write on your slate can determine your fate, your destiny. It's not that God sends people to hell as an initiative, but it's people who decide, I want to go to hell. God says, go. Why would people do that? Why would they choose death? And this is exactly what God asked Israel. In the Old Testament, more than once, O Israel, the people of God why will you die? You know who I am. You know my power. You know my love. Why are you choosing to go after idols? Why are you choosing to refuse to obey me? Why are you choosing to pass your children through fire, killing them like these heathen, pagan people, doing all kinds of sacrifices, putting your lives, your family, your souls, your eternity in jeopardy? Why? Why will you die? Don't do it. Don't do it. God is pleading with them. Please don't do it. Don't do it. To refuse me is to refuse life. Don't do it. Have you ever found yourself pleading with your children? Don't do that. Don't refuse life. Or your spouse. This will destroy you. It will destroy your career. Somebody says, well... My spouse is doing something very, very foolish. He or she is really testing the waters there. One little mistake like this and everybody gets nobody, they'll lose everything. They'll be in bar, behind bars. But what makes a person test the waters in that way? To say, but I'll get away with it because I got away with it so long and it's, I know what I'm doing that's how a lot of people end up in jail. They convince themselves and others. We'll get away with it. From CEOs of huge corporations to the common thief on the street. Come on. It'll be okay. Come. Let us take our purse together. As we read in Proverbs when we went through Proverbs. We'll take our fill of this. We'll get all this foil. Okay, now, you see that man walking over there? This is what you do. You sneak up on him and I'll distract him and we'll take him down and take his wallet. You get half of it, and I'll get half. It's the allurement from Satan that says, the pleasure that you're going to get out of this, oh, it's so thrilling, go for it. It'll be okay. You can ask for forgiveness, and, and they think that I'm the biggest fool. I was a person who had a function in society. I had a respectable position. I had all of this, and now I'm the biggest fool. Everybody knows about it. Why do people do that? Because devils come in, they open the door, and they get deceived and persuaded that I can do this, Now get away with it. That's what happens to people when they think that I have another day, I have another moment. Many people don't get that chance. We have to take this matter very seriously, and that's what happened with these four men. They pressed in. They knew the condition of their friend was so serious and they had to do everything they could. God says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast away. I won't turn away anyone that comes to me. In the Old Testament, it says that the person who comes to God must come to him in truth. When they come in truth, when they come in truth, when they come sincerely, when they come humbly, when they come with real love for God, real love to turn their life around and say, God, I need you. When they come to determine to be holy and say, Lord, I want you to cleanse me. I'm coming to you with the right motives. That person will find everlasting life. That's how God works. But the hypocrites, the people who delay and people who play the hypocrite, people who say, oh, I don't need God that much as the bum over there. That person over there who's a obvious lawbreaker to sneer and to look down on people, the Lord says, the people who do that, they have the biggest problem. He didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There are people who will come to the Bible You'll come to the scriptures, they'll come to church services. And there's a certain degree of smugness that I I know all about this. I've read it. You don't I don't need a preacher to tell me what's in the Bible. I can go to the library and get a book, all kind of versions of the Bible and read it for myself. But see, when the Holy Spirit speaks through the preacher, when the Holy Spirit brings you to a place, not just for socialization, but for deliverance, and we have the humility To say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, break up the fallow ground. Help me, Lord. You told me to break it, but I need your help, Lord. God will help. Because God will set the conditions. He'll give us the tools. And he'll do a supernatural work. He'll touch us. He'll do things that only he can do in cooperation with what we are supposed to do. These men are examples of people who not only did not hinder the man from getting his need met, but they were actively, sacrificially, they broke somebody's house, essentially, the roof. But they saw that the need and their love, their faith, justified all these hurdles that they broke through even at the risk of being called vandals, vandalizing the house of someone else. And who knew whether this Jewish rabbi, this miracle worker, this teacher, this master, what he would say. What if, what if when they let the man down after breaking through the roof, He would look up, even as they're getting ready to lower him, say, stop, and put a hand up. And they're looking up from the ceiling. How dare you break into somebody's house? This is not the way. Go outside. Go. And he summons his disciples and other people to close up the ceiling again and then drag those people to court. And say, I have nothing to do with these people. They think they're special. I have a crowd over here. They don't know how to wait online. They're coming and pressing through and expecting me to do a miracle like this. Their faith connected them to the Master way before they came physically near Him. Faith will look past the barriers. Faith will determine that the need is so great. Faith will determine that It's okay to give it everything I have at the risk of failure because that risk of failure notion comes from the devil. We have to know how the devil would set up things. How he would whisper in our ears and how he would set up barriers and how he would paint all kinds of scenarios and make you think that you'd be a fool if you do this. Because he knows if you do everything you can to get to Jesus, he will do the miracle for you. And so he'll give all kinds of excuses. We need to identify who in our lives are being used by the devil to prevent us from getting to Jesus, to prevent us in one form or another. You can just readily identify if you're honest and if you are wise, how the devil uses people to prevent you from getting what you need to get from Jesus. And it's up to you to step forward and push away those barriers because to do otherwise may mean not only that you won't get healed or delivered, it may mean that you can die, go to hell. That's how deadly it can be, how serious it can be. Think about it, how you came to Jesus, those who have surrendered their lives to the Lord. How you had to exercise faith. You had to push through certain barriers. Aren't you glad you did? Now, knowing who the Lord is and knowing what he's done for us personally, Shouldn't we have the burden and the love of the Savior transferred to us? Shouldn't we desire the same thing for others? And how do you battle this when the people you're trying to help, unlike this paralytic man, begin to fight you and begin to not listen to you and their eyes are closed to the desperate need, the biggest need? When people are in chaos and the devil's beating them up and he's just waiting to drag them to hell, every one of them, you're doing your best to try to help them, but they can't see. They're giving all kinds of excuses, just like the Lord said in the parables. One said, I got married. I have to go and take care of my wife. I just got married. Another one said, I have bought a piece of land, property. I have to go take care of it. I'll come and follow you later. I'll come to the dinner later that God has provided. I'll come to church later. I have some other things to do. I have some barriers, you see. I'm waiting on somebody. There are people who have said, very foolishly, when they're in such a desperate state, when they can hire vehicles to go anywhere else, if you tell them there's some free cigarettes on the other side of town, they will make sure they get a cab or somebody to take them. Well, you know why they don't come to church? I don't have a ride. I know. Don't have a car. We don't have this and that. Where there's a will, there's a way. Something's wrong with the heart. Desperately wrong. There's a deception going on. And the devil's clapping. He's saying, I'm just waiting for that last breath to take them to hell. It's how desperate it is much more than the healing as you saw demonstrated here Jesus saw that that's why he said that first soul needs to be saved but very often God does things to show unmistakably that it is his hand someone prayed who believes in Jesus or you upon hearing the word of God getting acquainted with the Lord you start to reach out in faith and cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. And when you see the demonstration of his power, his love, you say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender all. There begins that beautiful relationship, eternal relationship that no matter what happens in this life, you know you're going to go and live with God forever. And your family has access through you. If you're sincere, humble, humble, which means teachable, when somebody says do this, this will help you to get to God and save your family. People can be very polite and proud at the same time. They can give all kinds of reasons, very soft-spoken and sounding wise, but they're actually proud because they refuse the counsel that's been given to them to get their problem solved. They will never come to the Lord until that's taken care of. to desire that I admit I have corruption in my life or my family I need a change and if this is the way to that I'm going to do whatever it takes immediately. And I see that I don't really love God because if I really loved God I'd be walking with Him there'd be a demonstration of that love by my actions and taking His word seriously Laying down the law, as it were, in my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and living such a godly life that the people who I live with are convicted when they're in sin. The people who you work with are convicted. It's possible to have a Bible in every room of the house, in the vehicle, on the digital devices still go to hell the connection has to be made with transformation results a person really has been transferred from death to life hallelujah praise the Lord for speaking to us through this section Heavenly Father we thank you Lord we thank you Lord for showing us Lord the inner workings the dynamics that happen in the human soul, in the human heart, the human mind And how, Lord, the enemy is there to influence every step of the way. To prevent us from surrendering to Jesus. Everything. Our entire beings, our hearts. That we can gain everlasting life freely. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how the devil can hinder us and hinder others. And even use us to hinder others if we're not careful. That we need to understand whether we're actually doing your will by seeking you as that treasure beyond measure and helping others, Lord doing everything we can not just saying that but actively diligently with faith sacrificially doing everything we can to bring people to you then if they resist still at a certain point, Lord you told us keep moving because there are others who will make use of the gracious offer of being led to the problem solver Jesus Christ thank you Lord Father in heaven I thank you that you're still healing today Lord Jesus I thank you Lord you do heal our burdens Lord thank you God Father thank you Lord thank you Lord there are brothers and sisters Lord on the call who are going through desperate times desperate situations protect them Lord deliver them Lord heal them Lord Lord I, I don't know the whole situation at the moment with everyone but you know Lord Jesus 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 I pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come a stronger measure in these days that we will speak the truth every single time you ask us the question are you doing everything you can to seek me from the moment you wake up to the moment you lie down at night are you doing everything I can you can to help your loved ones connect with me may they remember may your people remember Lord as we often have mentioned as was mentioned and I have echoed that someone sees a store closing when they see a tremendous sale for the joy of it and for the care for the other people. It will call up many people and tell them they're friends, they're relatives. It's such a bargain over here, you've got to get there and make use of it. Lord, help us to be truthful truthful in answering that question. To know where we really stand before you? Are we doing everything we can? Are we able to persuade people the way we would do for a material gain? That we would continually persuade them, keep on trying and tell them. To show how good of a bargain it is. Because we want to help them and bless them with that information so they can benefit. Unless they keep hanging up on us. Refusing either politely or with hostility. In any case saying I don't want it. But Lord have we done everything we could. As the Apostle Paul said Lord your servant Lord. Therefore we persuade men of the terror of the Lord. We persuade. We do everything we can to plead and convince Lord Jesus I pray that in our families we would do that Lord and then if people reject after we've done everything like these these friends of the paralytic man they went to the point of breaking somebody's roof they risked everything to get their friend to Jesus Lord God help every spouse to do the same every child let your people have that wisdom and have that sincerity and the diligence and the sacrifice to do everything they can in prayer to convince their people to come to this house of God this church and the meetings that each one answer the question are we have we done everything we could We know we can't force anyone, but Lord, many times, we haven't even come close to that. There's no need to worry about that. But, with other things, we can do all kinds of things. We can make the best meal. We can persuade the husband or wife or the children or the children to the parents because we have some other motive. The art of persuasion is well traversed that road by many human beings. They know how to convince But when it comes to the things of God, Lord, all of a sudden, often, people make excuses. I can't force them, but they know how to get very close to forcing their family through various means to get something done that they want. Oh Lord, may your truth cut through any lies that would serve as hindrances to our own people from coming to you, from hearing the truth. We know, Lord, as we've heard in this ministry, 90% prayer. So often, unless the situation becomes overtly bad, most don't pray with the diligence required. Solve the silent killer that problem of the heart where the person is quite obviously confused and in rebellion before God in one way or another help no family member to stand idly by to be on high alert that a cobra is coming there's a cobra in the house the devil has persuaded someone not to make use of this ministry which is an oasis in the desert in these days there's something very demonic going on. It's not a question of taste or preference. The water is flowing and they're dry. and They refuse to drink. The devil has a hold on them. No matter how polite, how good-natured they appear and how diligent they are in providing for the house or keeping the family together, there's a cobra that's got them. Got to kill that cobra in prayer. Do whatever's necessary fasting and prayer for our loved ones taking time thank you Lord we speak these things unapologetically because the truth is the truth We pray Lord and you help every brother every sister seek you diligently for themselves to show how the life is completely altered as a result of drinking from the fountain of living water coming through the ministry. To be persuasive, demonstrating a higher level level of love, higher level of faith and diligence and self-sacrifice. To be as winsome as we can be, attractive as we can be, adorning as it's written, The gospel of God. The doctrine of truth and holiness. Wearing it as an ornament to be attractive. To draw our families, oh Lord, I pray. To draw our families through our speech, our prayers, demonstration of love and priorities. Lord, it's sometimes when people realize that a family member is a fanatic for the truth. That you cannot shake them, that they will be at certain meetings at certain times. Just like a spouse would not mess with so many people, Lord, that are in a Spartan kind of regimen to keep their bodies in shape. You'll tell the whole world, my husband jogs at this time, nobody can shake him from that. That's his way of life. My child does this at this time. My wife or husband does this at this time. And everybody accepts it. So let that principle be found in us. Certain things we do, which will also make them see the importance we give to the things of God. They'll be persuaded in that way too. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us as these men did everything they could, they did things that were unconventional. They did things that were risky. They did things that seemed to be forcing the issue. They got the need of their friend met and much more. Oh, Father, I pray as you've led us to this season, you've told us now to go everywhere, distributing your gospel, distributing the connection that's available with this oasis in the desert through this ministry by a grace there will be eager Lord telling people our testimonies doing everything we can to persuade them to escape lukewarmness which can lead to Jesus spitting them out of his mouth which he said will happen to people in these last days we have a choice and a chance help them to see thank you Lord and I thank you Lord for meeting our needs I thank you Lord for having pity upon us as the father pities his children so the Lord pities those who fear him you have mercy upon us Lord I pray Lord that you continue to minister healing Lord we have need of healing continuously oh God I thank you Lord for helping us to overcome every time we cry out to you and I thank you help us to always be in a state of not sadness and sorrow but of brokenness humility and meekness utter dependence upon you I pray that your crush continue to help us to pulverize any remnant of pride in our lives you can take us Father from faith to faith strength to strength and glory to glory praise and thank you in Jesus mighty name Amen